0: Brings us to the central part of the teaching, sound teaching, and that is the gospel. And Paul can't help when he mentions the gospel in verse 11 where we left off last week. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. The glorious gospel of the blessed God. He just breaks into praise when he mentions the gospel. Paul never got tired of it, did he? It's just like wow, the glorious gospel of, of our blessed our our, our 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 blessed God, and He's He's allowed me to be a part of that. So I want to read this because here's what happens now, and 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 it's like Paul just erupts in the middle of his teaching. He just erupts erupts into his personal testimony. All right, Paul. A testimony of grace. And that's what he gives right here. He gives a very short, you can read it in less than a minute if you try, uh, of his testimony. And we had testimony night, uh, Sunday night, and to, to try to help, to prepare, and to get together uh, so that we can all do the same thing. But it's amaz- amazing how Paul does this. So I'm going to read verses, um, I say 11, I've already read it actually, verse 12. Pick up verse 12, First Timothy chapter 1. It says, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, who strengthened me. He says, he has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, or that could be translated in me, the chief sinner, the chief, the number one, that Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. And then he just breaks into praise again. Now to the he's just so I I love it the way he starts this way. And Paul's just overwhelmed by the grace of God and the fact that God put up with him and that God Loved him and that God would save him. And he just can't ever get over it. He doesn't get tired of it. And once again, he just breaks into praise here. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible. To God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And it's almost like we think that might have been kind of like a doxology that the early church used. That maybe people had heard Paul do that in in a worship service. That that that's something that they prayed together and and worshipped together using that. But anyway... Uh, so there's Paul's, it's like he, he, he interrupts himself and he inserts this personal testimony right in this teaching. And it's not just, it's not just the gospel it isn't just something he came to mentally accept. It's not just something that he came to believe. It's, it's his whole life. It's, it's more than just what we believe. It turned, he says, my whole life around. And he says, you know, it's like God made me exhibit A of what his grace and his mercy can do. And if God, this is what I'm hearing, if God can do this for me, he can do it for you. That doesn't matter how messed up you are or how good you think you are or how religious you think you are or how how wicked you know you've been. It doesn't matter. If God can change me, if God can save me, he can do the same for you. Because see, the gospel is not just something that we preach, right? Are you in here? This is a tough Sunday right here, folks. I'm telling you, it's tough. This weather has got us off track. And we've got a lot of people missing right up here. So I'm going to have to work extra hard, okay? So you work with me here, would you? All right, because the gospel isn't just something that we preach. It's not just something that we believe, right? It is our very lives. So Paul was once, as we know, a person that was totally bound up in false teaching or misguided understanding of the scriptures and a misguided understanding of God and of everything else. But uh, he was very religious, wasn't he? Are you see cause see not everybody see here, here's some of the toughest people to reach, because the person who 's hit rock bottom, the person whose life's fallen apart, the person whose family's fallen apart, the person who is addicted to something, that person hits rock bottom. we've seen it so many times, right? And, 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 you know, it's almost like you're not on the bottom. you got to be scraped up off the bottom. And we've seen God transform and change those lives. But sometimes the tougher people to reach are those that, think, those that think that they're okay, those that are very religious. Paul was very, very religious. He was very devout. He was very dedicated. I mean, you know, everything about He's disciplined, very disciplined. He was very sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. Paul was wrong. He recognized that about his former life. He's saying it's like he's saying, look how the good news about Jesus changed my life. I found out. I wasn't who I thought I was. It first helped expose the truth to me about myself. There's things that Paul couldn't see, didn't want to see about himself. It It exposed to Paul the truth about God, the truth about his plan. And then the gospel, after doing that, it convicted me. It saved me. It delivered me. It transformed me. No one knows you like your creator, right? God. And there's no way you can really know yourself apart from knowing him see a lot of people thinking, I just need to get to know myself. I just need to get away and just get to know myself. You never get to know yourself till you get to know your creator. Because he's the only one that really knows you and can help you understand that. Paul's view, not only of himself, but of God and of Scripture, was skewed. Until he ran smack face to face into the very one that he was fighting against jesus christ on that road to damascus and you know what jesus did you know the story because see i'm sure timothy has heard paul's full testimony many times right remember paul mentored him paul discipled him and 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 it's like timothy may be you know i don't think this is happening he's not like oh boy here we go again paul's telling that damascus road story man we've heard that a million times i don't think he ever got tired of it okay So he doesn't go into all that detail here, but Timothy knows, you know it, you've read Acts chapter 9, you've read in Acts chapter 26 and other places where Paul actually standing before one of the governors or one of the kings and he gives his testimony, you've read that, haven't you? Uh, If you haven't, there's a good assignment for you. But so he's familiar with the fact that what Jesus did is Jesus blinded him to show him that he was already, you know, and, and... There's a lot of things, but maybe, perhaps, one of the purposes was to show him that he was already spiritually blind. He made him physically blind to illustrate the fact that he was spiritually blind, and he didn't even know it. It was maybe, maybe, perhaps, a physical manifestation of his spiritual condition. And there are a lot of times that there may be physical manifestations that help teach us about our spiritual condition, right? Sometimes if everything's falling apart and everything that we touch just kind of turns bad and everything, maybe it is that God's trying to get our attention about something in our spiritual life and our walk with him. It can be, and, and God uses many things like that could be that he's doing that with Paul. So finally, in this process, Paul comes to full faith in Christ. He understands. He listens. He hears it. He understands it. He repents of his sin. He comes to full faith in Christ, and you know what happened. We're not sure exact moment when that happened, but we know that when it did happen, what happened to his eyes? It was like he was blind, but it was like something like scales, it said, fell from his eyes, and he could clearly see. Right, But it happened more than to his eyes. It happened to his heart as well because he saw the truth. And listen to this. It changed everything. See, It's not like a lot of people today. It's like, oh, well, that's good. It's just one more thing I'm just going to add to my life. No, it becomes life. It changes life. It changes everything or else it's not real. Remember, that was the thing last week. Paul was referring to Timothy, his true son, his genuine son, his legit son in the faith. We want to be legit. We want to be genuine. We want to be real. And so the gospel, we find out, isn't so much just about what we are to do. It involves and teaches us what to do and don't do. But it's more, the gospel is more than just about what we are to do and what we do. It's about what God has done on the cross already to make possible for things to change in my life. Uh, But Paul's pattern here for giving his testimony is, is just what we've been using. We talked about it Sunday night. Did you notice that? You need to be able to share your faith with people. And they need to be able to just really easy. You see that he begins, it starts out with who he was and what he was before he came to Christ. Then it refers to him coming to Christ. And then finally, who he is now in Christ. All right? And see, here's the thing. You'd be able and I pray that we can all take this if you haven 't received Christ you 'll receive Christ today, and it starts your change, it starts your walk it, for all eternity because you 're not only going to change your eternity of heaven instead of hell, but you 're going to change your whole course of life now, right and he 's going to order my steps and direct my thinking. And, 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 and you, can, you can begin to show people that. This is who I was. This is how I thought. This is how I lived. This is how I came to Christ. How I began to understand the gospel and understand who he is and what he did for me. And I came to the point that I repented of my sins and trusted Christ completely. I put my faith in his grace for salvation. And then this is how he not only changed, but is continuing to change my life. And bring my life into line with him. It's just a powerful thing. But here's the deal. The testimony, you're sharing the truth. You're you're sharing sound doctrine, right? You're sharing the truth of the gospel. Without the word of God, nobody gets saved. You have to have the word of God. But you're also sharing yourself like Paul as an exhibit A. Because, see, they don't know if they believe the Bible. They don't know about all these churches and all these religions and all that, but they know you. And, and, and they see, see, how many people were afraid of Paul in the early days? A lot of people. I mean, they weren't so sure he changed. I'll never forget Curtis's testimony, right? Uh, Curtis's classic testimony of when God saved him and changed him, it said all of the, the people you used to run with wouldn't have anything to do with you because they were afraid that you changed. And then the Christians were afraid to have anything to do with you because they was afraid you really hadn't changed. So it kind of could put you in a tough spot, can't it? But here's the thing, people are going to watch and they're going to see, and your life... Can preach the gospel. You don't, you see, some of the best preachers and the best evangelists we have aren't people who are very skilled with words. It's people who they see your life and they need to see something that can change. Before, you know, I felt God called me to preach, but there's a lot of things that needed to happen, and people in my family and people that I went to school with need to see that there's something real, something unexplainable happening in my life. And, it, and that's the only thing that will give credibility to the words that you say. And here's the other thing. You know, you can live a life and be delivered and build a a testimony for Jesus and of his saving power. And it can take years to do that, can't it? And how quick can you blow it? One second. And you may or may not be, you you know, with God's grace, you can start over. You know, you don't fall and stay down. What was it my father-in-law used to say? When you fall, you need to fall forward right fall forward and get up get up don't let the devil tell you you're a loser you messed up you can't do this see there see there isn't that the way the devil works because he's always trying to get us into temptation this is no big deal this is no big deal everybody does it right this is no big deal nobody you know is going to notice nobody this nobody that and then as soon as you give in to whatever that is he's like ah see there he turns See there, you're no good. You're no Christian. You can't do this. You might as well give up. You might as well forgive it. He's a liar all the way around, isn't he? And he just uses whatever life fits his circumstances. But see, God can. You may feel like, uh, you know what, I've, 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 I've just ruined everything. But that's, it, it is what it is. You start right here, right now, and let Christ rebuild. Right? Amen? Amen. So, uh, and Paul begins to share his testimony here and it never gets old it's very simple of who i was before how i came to christ and who i am now and as as he begins to talk about that you see thankfulness in verse 12 it comes out and i thank christ jesus our lord who has enabled me Um, See he thanked the Lord All the credit goes to Jesus All the credit goes to God's grace Every bit of it is God's grace God giving me what I don't deserve He gave Christ to pay for my sins on the cross And because he did that He can give me mercy And mercy means he does not give me what I do deserve I do deserve to be humiliated I do deserve to be punished I do deserve to be separated from him But he doesn't give me that He gives me mercy I need mercy How about you? I need mercy every day I pray God doesn't give me what I deserve. I pray he gives me Jesus, who I don't deserve. That's mercy and grace. And Paul knew that I didn't get here on my own. He knew he wasn't like all bowed up thinking, boy, look at me, I'm somebody. He never did that. See, humility is so important. In fact, over in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he says this. He says, for I am. A similar thing that he says here about being the chief of sinners. He says, I am the least of the apostles. He says, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because, why? I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Did you hear that? By the grace of God, I am what I am. And I want to just say that to you as my own confession. It's only by the grace of God that I am what I am. Amen. Amen. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Can we say that as well? God didn't waste anything on me because I'm going to take advantage of it. Amen. His grace toward me was not in vain. You know, it almost implies that God has shown grace and mercy to some people and they didn't take advantage of it. But it's not going to be in vain in my life. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to slow down. God's grace. I love the way Paul says that. Isn't it just real how we can get in and, 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 uh, and, and the scripture? I'm glad God gave real people like us through whom he gave us his word so we can identify. Paul was so thankful for the grace of God and everything that was happening. So first thing was thankfulness for the source of grace. That's the first thing that you see there. He's thankful for the source of grace uh, because he gives God all the glory. Jesus is one who made it possible. Uh, and, and, and literally, if you read in the original text, because I think most of us know that the New Testament... Was originally written in Koine Greek long before there was an English language, and later on translated into our language languages. Um, and so the Greek word order is different than English. It was it's totally different because uh, it's just I, I've you know studied it, but it's, but sometimes word order is for emphasis. And the very first word in this sentence is thankful or grateful. Literally, it reads grateful I am. Yoda from Star Wars must have studied Greek quite a bit Grateful I am I mean I don't know Paul may have done that But but you know what I'm saying That's just kind of the way it sounds right there It's just like grateful thankful It's what I am That's who I am So he was so thankful And it was expressed through Jesus As he gave himself as the substitute for my sins I like how he calls him Christ Jesus our Lord Have you ever noticed that It's another little tidbit We want to just unpack right here in the word of God That's alive and powerful And I love being able to go through this whole letter because I promise you, when Paul sent that letter to Timothy, he didn't just read a sentence here and there. He read the whole thing. And that's why sometimes in preaching I like to go through a whole book like that. We follow the teaching all the way through. But one thing you keep finding that pops up in Paul's teaching is where he calls Jesus Christ Jesus our Lord. You know why he does that? It's very powerful because, see, (sighs) Jesus was not his first name and Christ his last name, okay? (laughs) that's not true. It's actually names and titles. He's Christ. That's the Greek word that translates the Hebrew word for Messiah. He's the Messiah King. He is my King. He's King Jesus. Messiah. Deliverer. The Messiah was going to deliver him and he's my deliverer. He's my Messiah King. And he's Jesus. You remember before he was born the angel said you'll call his name Jesus and the word Jesus means Savior. He's my Savior. He died on the cross for my sins. And he's also my Lord, my God. He's all of that. He's Christ. He's King. He's Savior. He's God. He's Christ, Jesus, our Lord. Right there in just a few words, you get such a powerful message out of the Word of God. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God in His grace not only chose to save Him, but He says that I thank Him who has enabled me. He not only saved me, He enabled me. He strengthened me because He saved me. But guess what? On my own, I still don't have it. On my own, I still don't have strength. On my own, I still can't do what He wants me to do. But He not only saves me, He enables me. Please understand that the same God who saves you is the same God who will strengthen you, who will enable you. Anything he calls you to do, anything he commands you to do, anything he teaches you to do, he will enable you to do if you trust him completely and totally. Now, if you try to do it on your own or to get your own credit or glory out of it, it's not going to go so well. He enabled me. Putting me, made me trustworthy. He enabled me because he counted me. He considered me faithful. Putting me in the ministry. And that word for ministry is a word that means service. I'm here to serve. Just like Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. When he came to this earth as Savior. Now we get, listen. We get to serve. It's amazing that someone as untrustworthy as me, that he would trust to serve him. He never got over being thankful for the source of God's grace. It's like God has given us this indescribably valuable gift. He's given us this precious gift, and he's entrusted. You can have this, and he's entrusted it to us that we can use it for his glory. And Paul was amazed, especially considering all the stuff that happened in his past, that God would consider him faithful and trustworthy, not only saving him but putting him in the ministry. What a privilege it is to serve. What a privilege. What a blast. What a glory it is to serve God. Amen? In whatever way he's called you to serve. So he's thankful for the source of grace. But he's also transformed by the power of grace. Transformed by the power of grace. He goes right into that. Because he's talking about I'm serving him. Although, although it is still true. Now I'm not going to dwell on this. And I'm not going to tell you all the terrible things that I said and I did. And the way that I used to cause people to be tortured and beaten. And the things that I used to say to them to try to get them to blaspheme. I'm not going to glorify that. I'm just going to say this is what happened. You know it. And there's no sweeping under the rug. It is what it is. You know, in the same way, giving our testimonies. And and I appreciate the effort many put into it. I don't want to glorify and go into too much detail about some of the bad things that I used to do, whether it was with drugs or with porn or with whatever it was or with your pride and self-righteousness. You can state what it is in a way that we get it and we understand it, but all the glory and all the focus needs to go on Jesus. And that's kind of what Paul's doing here. Now, there's other places he gives a little more detail. But he says, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and insolent. An insolent man can also mean a violent man. That's what he was. It's who he was before Christ. This is who I was. He was religious. He thought he was just A-OK with God. He actually thought he was doing God a service. See, you can be wrong in either extreme, can't you? Right? You can be wrong thinking you're so good. Or you can be wrong thinking you're so bad he can't save you. The truth is we're all bad and we're all sinners. Right? That's what, that's what Paul saying. The law taught him. Um, instead of justice, he's saying, I got mercy. Did you see that? Although I was this, I obtained mercy. I obtained mercy. If God gave me what I deserved, oh my. I obtained mercy instead of justice. Christ had to die on the cross to make that possible because my sin debt had to be paid. And and, and he could see God could give him mercy because of his grace. Christ took his place. So Paul... At one time, I thought, as I said, what he was doing was pleasing God. Look, look at his testimony. This is when I think he's before King Agrippa, and he's like having to, and, and giving a testimony. And he's telling a little bit about himself to them. Doesn't go into a lot of detail in Acts 26. Now, you can go to Acts 26 and you can write that down and read the whole story later. I'm just going to look at a few verses. Paul is saying this. He says, Before the king, he says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I tried just anything about Jesus, I tried to go the other way. I tried to cause friction and problems. He says, This I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints I shut up in prison. Unjustly. By the way, they understood that. Now, can you imagine later on in the church, Paul gets saved and he's coming around and you're kind of leery of him. Well, sure. You want him? How many people were saying, you'll see he's a spy. You'll see he's trying to get inside so he can tear us apart. You'll see it's kind of hard for me to worship with him whenever my uncle has been rotten in prison because he let those Pharisees and, 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 and Sadducees get a hold of him and throw him in prison for blasphemy. You know, so how am I supposed to see how God's grace and forget? We still have that here, don't we? There's people going to come to Christ and get saved that they've harmed you. They've gossiped about you. They've done things. But you see what Christ, that's part of the power of God. He wants to display among us in a small community like this is where people out there see how that we get over stuff, how that we heal from stuff, that we can get past stuff, that we have God's power and God's healing. And that right there is as powerful a testimony as anything. Man, that, Paul went through that. Don't you know there are people like, just wait. You'll see. You'll just wait. One of these days, he's going to go back to being legalistic. He didn't. So time, as it went on, Paul, as a Pharisee, was very prejudiced against Gentiles. Isn't it amazing that God took the very one that thought Gentiles were pigs and dogs and unclean, that he turned him around and and made him the missionary to the Gentile world? Only, Are you getting this? I mean, come on, this is radical stuff here. Because the Pharisees were so like Jewish and Hebrew that they were... If you read some of their old historical writings, if they were in the marketplace and accidentally brushed up against a Gentile, which was a non-Jewish person, they would consider themselves unclean and have to go through this whole ceremony just to get themselves rid of the spiritual cooties that they thought they got and get so they could go back in the temple. That's who Paul was. And God used him to be the very one to go and share the gospel, and help the Gentile world get saved, and start churches. Anyway, he says, this is who I was. I did this in Jerusalem. I shut up many of the saints in prison, the saints. He calls them saints. He didn't think they were saints then, did he? But now he knows. He calls them saints. I didn't know it. I thought, man, they were a problem, but they were saints. I I did that. And you know he feels horrible about that, but he can't change that, right? Feel horrible about it, but I can't change it. What I can do is just serve God and, 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 and... Let him use my life now. He says, yeah, I receive authority from the chief priest. By the way, these are some of the chief priests. If you read your story, they're some of the chief priests who have got the trumped up charges that they're there trying to get Paul executed. Those same guys must have been really ticked off when Saul, who became Paul, changed sides, huh? There are going to be people like that in your life. And listen, you know there was a lot of people that saw the change in Paul's life and they, for the first time in their life, were open to listening to the gospel. There's got to be something real about this. But make no mistake about it, there were other people who saw the change and they just hated it more. And they never would listen and they never did change and they tried to be a problem to Paul till he died. There may be people like that in your life. I'm just telling you, once you accept Christ, it doesn't mean that you just tippy-toe through this world with no problems. It means that God's gonna take over and, and operate in and through your life in a way that he'll take the problems and the persecution and use them for his glory and his power. And he even uses our own suffering to strengthen us and to teach us and to deepen us. Because see, Paul knew what it was like then for those same people that he used to be to persecute him. Did you know that? Read the book of Acts. That how many times they tied him up to a, a stake or something and they whipped him with a scourge. They tried to stone him to death with rocks. There's many, many times they tried to kill him. They were lying in wait for him many times and God delivered him. God let him get beat. Well, they thought he was dead one time. They stoned him with rocks and they thought he was dead and drug him out of the city and God revived him. God says, we're not done yet. But, and they think, well, that's awesome. How he, he, you know, they thought he had beat him to death and he came right back and was totally healed in an instant. Yeah, but he still got, he went through that. That wasn't fun, right? Even though I got well, it was no fun being sick, right? Paul went through all that. And he knows what it's like to have those that used to be your, your, your buddies and your friends, your family members, turn on you. Anyway, he goes, I received authority from those people, chief priests and and uh, he talked about the saints, when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. You can't help but think he's referring to Acts chapter 7. Remember when Stephen was stoned to death and, and it lets us know the first time we meet him, there was a young guy named Saul at that time, his name before his name changed, that he was casting his vote, he was, he was consenting, that this is what needs to be done. He hates that. And then he says, I punished them often in every synagogue. I'd go to the synagogue and I'd find people who were believing in Jesus and I'd punish them. I'd compel them to blaspheme. In other words, even if he couldn't arrest them, if you got kicked out of the synagogue, you basically got disowned from your family. People wouldn't do business with you. It was a bad thing. And he said, I tried to cause that. I tried to get them to blaspheme. I tried to get them to blaspheme. again.' And, said, and he doesn't tell us how he did it, but he even tried to get them, because of that pressure, to turn around and say they didn't believe in Jesus And to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. thats Blasphemy means slander. To slander Jesus. To slander God. He said, I tried to get them to do that. And and he says, and being exceedingly enraged against them. You see the emotion that was in there? I was like angry at all these people. He says, I even persecuted them to foreign cities. Right? And then he goes into this, and it was while I was doing that... I met the one that I was fighting, Jesus Christ. And he, Jesus told me, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? All these people you're going after, I'm taking it personally. So even when you are persecuted, understand this, Jesus takes it personally. You're not the one that has to set everybody straight. Jesus says, I'll take it. I'll take it on. He's going to use you. But anyway, so this was Saul. This was Paul. But you know what? His situation was still different than those. And If you've been in our verse-by-verse study through John on Wednesday nights in the adult class, um, we've been seeing many times that people heard Jesus' words, words and he, they saw his miracles and their hearts were hardened so that what Isaiah said was true, that you have eyes but you can't see, you've got ears but you can't hear. The thing about it was is what they saw was undeniable, what they heard was undeniable, but they did not want to believe. They did not. It didn't matter even they saw Lazarus after four days walk out of the grave. They did not want to believe. There can be people like that. That's different than Paul because he says, I obtained mercy because, he says, why? I did it ignorantly and unbelief. I didn't have faith. It's before I came to faith. Uh, those people refused, that refused that I was talking about in John, you know, it's like the truth of God. And seeing what Christ did only caused their hearts to get harder and made them more angry. However, Paul, when he finally discovered the truth about himself, when he finally discovered the truth about sin and the truth about Jesus, what Paul did is Paul repented of his sin and put all of his faith in Christ to save him, and he fully trusted him as Lord and Savior. That is beautiful, and that's awesome. That's what happened. He said, this is my story, and this is what happened to me, and, and, and it can happen to others as well. Um, so, he, he had done all of these things. He was ignorant of the sin that was in his own heart and in his own life. He thought he was all religious. He thought he was all righteous. He thought, Paul tells us later, and we've got to go fast. We've got to wrap this up. But Paul thought he could live a blameless and perfect life. Did you know that? He thought he could do that without God's help, really, but just by following the law. He didn't know he needed a Messiah Savior a Christ who is Messiah, King, Savior, and Lord. He, he didn't be want to believe that at first. And that's part of what he tells us. And here's a little detour I want to take that's part of the lesson. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul's talking about these things again. He says, you know what? In Some of these people who think they're so religious and high and mighty that they don't need God, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He says, I used to be one of them. Here's another side of the testimony. Are you ready for it? Are or you, are you had enough? Huh? Oh, good. Thank you. He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh and what I can do. He says, if anyone else thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I'm more. So you got all these people. He says, you think you really are a religious, crazy, you know, confident and self, self-righteous? He said, I, I had you beat. <laughs> okay? Uh, he says, I was, followed every aspect of the law in the Old Testament, which included circumcise the eighth day. He's of the stock of Israel. Even specifically the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin, that's a little bit of pride issue because the only other legit king that God ever had uh, for Israel besides out of the tribe of Judah was a guy he was maybe named after, Saul, who was the first king. Didn't go so well with him. But anyway, Benjamin kind of was proud of that still. Tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was a Jew's Jew, right? It sounded kind of funny too, but I'm not going to spell it. Anyway... I was just thinking about last week, okay? All right, anyway, never mind. concerning the law, a Pharisee. You didn't even think that was funny. Good. You're just, you're just like, you don't. should we laugh or not? All right. It says, concerning the law, a Pharisee. See, he was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning, listen to this, the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. If you took the law of Moses and on the outside, see, on the outside, you begin to look at my life, you would pretty much think, yep, boy, he can check the box. He's done it. Boy, he's all right, isn't he? He can't, He's something else, man. That's, that's the thing. But at some point, the Lord showed him the truth about himself is that he wasn't really righteous and he wasn't really keeping the law and he found out the whole purpose of the law was actually to expose sin. Uh, We studied some of that last week and part of that struggle he's talking about in Romans chapter 7 when he's talking about how that the law doesn't save you, wasn't intended to save you. The law was intended to show you God's pattern, to show you, uh, and the moral law to show you what God wants. But the fact is, it exposes how you don't have it and you need a savior. You need mercy, you need grace. You need God living. See, the print on the page can't do it. God's gonna come and live on the inside. That word of God is gonna come alive on the inside of you so that he empowers you, enables you to keep the word that he gives. But Paul thought he could just do it on his own and so he's talking about that in Romans 7. He says, "Then so he comes to the point, he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? You know, if the law can't save you, all, is the law bad? Talking about the law of Moses. And then he says, certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. See, there's the purpose of it. That's how I knew sin. For I, and, and, but you see, Paul said, according to that, I thought I was blameless. <clears throat> Let me just say something. On those Ten Commandments... You can kind of look at the surface thing, right? Well, nobody's seen me dishonor my parents. No one's seen me bow to an idol. No one's heard me take God's name in vain. No one's seen me steal anything. No one's caught me committing adultery. I've never murdered somebody. You know, all those parts of it, you know, it's kind of like, but then here comes Jesus along later, and he tells us it's not just the act, it's the thought behind the act. In other words... You may say, I've never committed adultery, but if you look lustfully and you're doing it in your mind, you're, you've got the heart of an adulterer. You're, you're guilty. You're a sinner. If you, if you get angry without a cause and this anger goes so far, then, then you may not have killed anyone, but you've got the heart of a murderer. You have hate and bitterness and unforgiveness in there. You're guilty. You're a sinner. You see what I said? Jesus said, it's not just the act, it's the thought behind the act. So he takes it even deeper. But they didn't like to do that. They just looked at the surface. But did you know, every one of those are surface things that you can look outside and it looked like everything was good. But there's one commandment that is not outside, it's inside. Which one is it? See, unless you steal something, I don't know that you're coveting. That you're desiring to have what someone else has. And that last one, thou shalt not covet. If you bear false witness, I may hear that. But this one is an inside one. And I think Paul is telling us that he could go through the list and check everything off. And this is when he thought was okay. But finally, somehow in the law, it jumped up and it hit him that he did. Maybe it was coveting being a higher authority in, in the Pharisees or, or something like that. But at some point, he was hit with the fact that on the, covetousness is an inside job. I can't look at anybody. I can't look at anything and, and, and see what's going on in your heart because it's a condition of the heart. And he said, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said you shall not covet. And so this is something that God was revealing to him and showing him that there's something going on inside you and you are not righteous. You're not, you're not, you're not where you need to be. Um, and then in verse, thir- so in verse 13, he says, it, so he, he found out, the Lord showed him the truth about himself. He used the law to do it. So the law's good. God used the law to show me that. And he found out that through the, that, that though the law is good and spiritual, he was neither good nor spiritual. He needed Jesus. He says, Has then what is good become death to me? Because when I realized I was a sinner, that meant I was spiritually dead. He says, Certainly not. But what's the purpose then? So sin, that it might appear sin, sin was producing death in me through what is good, the law. I was coveting. And so what was the purpose of the law? To expose that sin, and listen to this part, so that sin might, through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. Sinful. I like the way he says that. God wanted to see how sinful my sin is, how exceedingly sinful my sin is. That's what God wanted me to do. And the law helped do that, okay? So Paul's explaining a little bit about that and about how God did it. But then it doesn't stop there. Not only was he transformed by his grace, but he overwhelmed by the uh, uh, the uh, uh, the abundance of God's grace. Because then he says, he goes, uh, and he says that the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant, verse 14, and faith and love which are in Christ. All of this comes from Christ Jesus, the faith and the love. The grace of our Lord was abundant. Listen, I love how Paul says it. So when I saw this, sin abounded in my life, right? See, before this in Romans, he had already taught this. He said that moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, right? purpose of the law is to expose our sin. Are you still there? And it causes it to seem like, oh, there's no hope for me. But he says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Amen. Amen. And my sin seems so great, but guess what? God's grace is even greater. I mean, where my sin began to overflow, God's word tells me that grace super overflowed. And that's kind of the same thing he's saying here, that the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. The word there is super Abundant, super abounded. It's, it's a Greek, um, it's a prefix, uper. Like we get the word hyper. Maybe you can say the word super from that. And so it's super abounded over my sin. I want to tell you, no matter what your sin is, God's grace overflows even more than any sin you have. Hallelujah. I don't want to get over that. Christ came in the flesh, and Christ kept the law perfectly. That's why he was able to go to the cross and take all of our sin, and as a substitute, the only one qualified, fully God, fully human, to die and pay the price for our sin debt on the cross. That's what Paul was saying to the Corinthians when he said, get this verse down. This is such a powerful verse. He said in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he, that's God the Father, made him, that's Christ the Son, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So now I become righteous. My sin's forgiven, but the righteousness I have is Jesus's righteousness that's deposited in my life. When he died on the cross, he became sin for us. My sin was deposited on Jesus, and he paid it in full. And then God takes his righteousness and deposits it. That's quite an exchange, isn't it? That's quite an awesome thing. And this is something that, that is so powerful. The prophets foresaw it. They prophesied about it. Every Old Testament sacrifice prophesied about the Lamb of God who would come. And, and then it became clearly revealed on the cross. In the words of Martin Luther that he wrote in the 1500s. Listen what he wrote. He said, Jesus became sin for us. Listen, Jesus on the cross became the greatest murderer, became the greatest adulterer, became the greatest thief, the greatest rebel, and the greatest blasphemer there ever was. Our most merciful father sent his only son into the world and said to him, Jesus, you will become Peter the denier. You will become Paul the persecutor, blasphemer, and cruel oppressor. You will become David that adulterer. You will become Adam that sinner that ate the fruit in paradise. And Martin Luther said that all those years ago, and it it changed his life understanding that. He became those things and died for those things to cover our sin debt and satisfy the holiness and justice of our God. And that's why he says in verse 15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus, there it is again, came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This short statement is like a condensed form of the gospel. Jesus came into the world. That was, he, wasn't, he didn't come into existence Because he was already in existence as God the Son throughout all eternity. But there was a time that God who always existed came into the world. Did you catch that? I'm telling you, the word of God is alive and powerful. And we read right past it. That he came into the world. Why? What's his purpose statement? To save sinners. That's the reason why. I'm a sinner. I'm a no good sinner. Good. You qualify. Huh? That's why He came. Oh, Jesus, I can't worship because I'm a sinner. Jesus said, you're the reason I came. I'm ready to do something about that. Hallelujah. (laughs) And so he came into the world to save sinners. John 3, 17 says, For God sent not his Son into the world to do what? Condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He's in the saving business. So the purpose of salvation isn't just to get me out of earth and into heaven. It's to display God's grace in me right here on planet earth. God's grace, God's power, God's patience. And to show... It's about the patience of God and that I'm a true child of God. The last thing. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Woo. Okay. Last thing is not only that, but he was determined to be an example of grace. That's why he says in verse 16, however, for this reason, I obtained mercy. Why did God show me mercy? Just so I could go to heaven. No, just so God could work through my life even here and now right here. Amen. So that he says that in me first. Now that word first is the same word that's translated chief in verse 15. So that's what he says, I'm the chief of sinners. This is faithful saying. It's almost like this is a saying that was said in the, in the early church. And he, Paul says, this really applies to me, that, that uh, Christ came to the world to save sinners, and I'm a chief. I'm like the worst. I'm number one. That word chief means number one, first. And so he says, and the one reason I obtain mercy is that in me, the first, the number one sinner is almost what he's implying there, uh, is that, that through me that he can show all long, that he showed that, that he showed all long-suffering, his patience in him, so I could be a pattern to those who are going to come and believe, so they can look at my life and see if there's hope for him. There might be hope for me. Amen? You know, Paul went through persecutions and struggles. And people see that your life just hasn't been easy. You didn't, it's not that you just went up and prayed and were baptized and life's been easy. There's been struggles. There's been pitfalls. There's been failures. You're a real person. There's real temptation. There's real struggles. But they've seen God's grace take you through it and help you overcome it and help you even grow that much more. And you didn't stop, right? You didn't stop. You didn't give up. You didn't quit. You kept trusting him. If he can save me, then no one is beyond the reach of grace. Then he breaks into praise. The king eternal. He's immortal. Invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So we close with this thought. Let's have some take-home. Ready for some take-home? Get your doggy bag ready. Here it goes. Have you recognized your own sinfulness before God? Paul did. Do you understand that Jesus has made you an offer too good to refuse? Why would you want to try to do it on your own? Why would you ignore what he's already done? Oh, I don't deserve it. That's a good place to start. You don't deserve it, so trust him. You couldn't have done it yourself. You couldn't deserve it. Could you express in a few words how you came to Christ as Lord and Savior? Could you tell someone if they ask you, have you worked on that? Do you need to pray about putting some time in on that? So if someone asks you that you kind of already have prepared a little bit of so you could tell someone in just a few words how you came to know Christ as Savior. And they may want to argue with you. may say they don't believe it, but it doesn't matter. You're you, and there you are. How are they going to deny that? Is God still demonstrating his power through you and transforming, molding, and shaping your life? You're not perfect. I know that. I'm not either. He's not giving up on me yet. I'm not going to give up on him. Huh? I mean, is there still some things happening? If not, then maybe we're not growing. Is there someone in your life that you can tell about Christ's power to save, just like Paul shared his testimony? Is there somebody that, in some way, and it may be through something that happens, that there's going to be somebody strategically by the Holy Spirit placed there, and it may be you, that can say about how Jesus made a difference? Let's pray.